We're excited you're with us today. Today, you're going to get a glimpse into who Ryan, Dave, and Spencer are, what are journeys that led us to microformulas, and you'll find some really unique frameworks for thinking um, on how to answer the inner call that you may have experienced before or will in the future to do more, to play bigger, um, and, and when to maybe recognize that it's a time to say no, or it's a time to say maybe later, or it's the time to say yes right now. So we're excited to share a little bit more about who we are and hopefully help give you some mental models and frameworks and inspiration that will lead you on your journey. You are listening to the Fifth Hammer Growth Podcast, where we help you find harmony and imperfection as you journey towards success in life and in business. All right, guys, I'm excited. Today, we're going to begin to tell the story about how we all help the tiny startup scale at lightning speed and navigate to and through a $200 million private equity buyout. And I say begin, I say start because there's so many experiences and uh, moments and stories that led up to that and, and that experience over you know a five-year span. But before we dive in there and, and we start, I want to start with us, right? And share a moment of time, uh, dis, you know, a uh, decision point uh, before microbe um, that if we hadn't have had that experience or made that decision, we probably would have never been on the path for microbe even to enter into our lives. So I want to start there and then we'll kind of uh, move forward. But um, Ryan, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So my my background is I'm I'm a full on geek. I mean, when it comes down to it, my my whole life has been in a browser, and and that includes coding i mean i've coded in in pearl i've coded in like old school pascal basic pearl i've coded in um javascript c sharp i've done python i've done um really any language you know java any language that can that has been applied to the internet i've coded in there and i remember specifically i was probably about 35 and I started looking at what does life look like uh for me and it was right after um my fourth boy was born right after Dallin was born um and I started sitting here saying man I do I want to code for the rest of my life and and I realized I I I didn't I didn't want to be 50 years old and coding I mean I, I still code today because I love it right yeah. But I didn't want that to be the end of who I was. And I think it came down to a conversation uh, that I had with with a mentor. And I've shared this before, and I'll probably share it many times. And he talked about how true wealth is when you can have your passive income pay for your active time. And and he looked at me and said, Ryan, right now you're trading time for money. I mean, as a coder, I, I that's all I do. And the only way I can increase my my wealth is by charging more for my time because I can't get any more time. There's no way for me to get more time. Right. And, and so it really came down and it started me thinking about what is my, what's my career path, where I'm, where am I going to go? And it took me on this journey um, personally about setting myself up to make the jump from a developer to an executive 
because I knew if I could go there, then I could go into the the true wealth comes when you're you're building something on your own, right? And uh, and and that's really that moment in time was really the decision um, that I made that I needed to make a change, and that change set me up for this this journey of prayer and meditation and you know uh what is what's my next gig when i was ready for it, what is my next gig what am i going to do that's going to provide the type of life and retirement that i want because you know you, you let's be honest my generation is the first generation that pensions don't really come into play mm-hmm. like my generation our generation yeah and i'm is that you know i was born in 73 i'm 50 years old this year and that that's scary when you're looking down the barrel of retirement and you don't have a substantial savings in your bank account that will be able to carry you through. I mean, I used to joke that I'm going to go be a greeter at Walmart because that's like that's really where my 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 life was going to go to at that point. And so I that's and that conversation I had um was so impactful because it was like, okay, so how do I do that? Where do I yeah. go with that? allowed you to start thinking yeah and it started it helped me start thinking bigger right but i knew i couldn't do it on my own so i knew i had to find something that would allow me to do that not like like i said it, it was this it was this journey of of meditation and prayer and and opportunity and trial and error and driving to the point when i was ready for this opportunity to come because i don't think if i had that conversation, if I if I would have had that mindset of change, I would not have been ready for the experience I had when I sat down and had the conversation with Todd. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You identified a change and allowed you to be open to a transformation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to be in life. You have to be open to those transformations. Yeah. Because if you're not, and here's something, it's interesting because developers, coders, will code themselves into a corner. You've heard that adage of painting your, you know, painting yourself in a corner. If you're painting a floor and all of a sudden you get to the point where you've painted the entire floor and now you're standing in the corner, how do you get out? Yeah. Right? And and developers code themselves into corners because they get to they get comfortable in their environment and they know the systems they're working on that they really haven't ever looked up to see what else is around and they code themselves into that corner where when something happens to that position they're like, where do I go now? Yeah. Right. And so I was fortunate enough that I had a couple of life experiences that allowed me to open myself up to those, that transformation. Sometimes it takes a, a mentor, a conversation, right? Somebody else to help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Dave, do you have one? Oh my gosh. So I was trying to think of how far back to go with this. And I was just, rem- <laughs> I was, uh, I'm kind of in this season of, you know, raising my son where I'm like, why don't you listen to me? <laughs> And, um, and I remember I never listened to my parents. I remember in college, even I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, went there to play basketball, studied uh, like some different things, really had no idea. And my mom said, I think you would be good at marketing. And I was like, what the hell's that? I didn't know anything (laughs) about business. I grew up in like a blue collar, you know, household service businesses, electricians, construction workers. I didn't know anything about business. And then I played sports, right? So she said, I think you'd be good at marketing. I said, I have no idea what that is. I chose psychology, which fortunately is basically the root of marketing. Yeah. You just, I just didn't know it at the time. Studied that, um, 
went and worked in clinical psych while I was doing that, I had this calling that I felt like I wanted to do more. And all my, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and I'm not like necessarily calling myself an entrepreneur, but I felt like I wanted to chase that path. I played guitar, I played music. So I just hit the road. And, um, and while I was doing that, you know, I was away from the house 175 nights a year. My son was born. I didn't want to be, I didn't, my first decision was I didn't want to be away from my family so much. And I looked around my circle and all my musician friends were, you know, either, you know, divorced or whatever. And nothing's wrong with that. I'm not, but I didn't, that wasn't the path I, I wanted to take. I, I, I think I've, what I'm trying to say is I valued my family more than I valued a music career. So when I was looking around at what to do, I thought about being a teacher. I didn't maybe going back into psych, maybe, you know, getting a, a master's and then a PhD. And I was trying to figure out like, what, what, what about music was I really good at? What made us stand out? And it wasn't the music. And I appreciate you building me up and, and, you know, saying that I'm a good songwriter. I'm a decent, I think I'm, a, I'm decent at writing a hook, but what I was really good at was connecting with an audience and building an audience. So we would have shows, we would like sell out like a thousand, you know, capacity theaters and guys that have been playing for years that are way better musicians than us would be like, how the hell are they even doing that? And it's because I understood from the stage how to connect with an audience to make them laugh, make them cry, make them feel included in the songs. But also off the stage, I would blog and do videos. I was doing content marketing before it was even a, a word because I just thought people wanted access, right? So that was marketing. And that's what sort of got me into like a marketing career, right? And and I spent, I don't know, five to seven years kind of bouncing around trying to figure out what I wanted to market and who I wanted to work with. And 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 I sort of got in this rut where I was just going into work every day, running ads for people, you know, doing digital marketing. And I had that same feeling where I was like, I'm playing small. What am I doing? I'm just sitting here on my ass every day looking at a computer screen. And I, I felt like I could lead people because I had done that. You know, I was throughout my life. I had been a leader. I had built teams. But so this company I was at, they were hiring for a VP of marketing. And I saw the resumes coming across because I was on the marketing team. And I was like, wait a minute, I've got a better resume than these guys. So I threw my hat in the ring and the, I eventually, and I'll, I'll kind of like cut this down a little bit. I eventually out of like a hundred applicants made it to the top two. And in the final interview, the CEO told me I would not make a good VP of marketing. <laughs> and it's still kind of like thinking about that moment makes me a little bit emotional because I was, it was like, okay, well, what the hell have I been doing the last, you know, 10 years? So I went out to my car, 2006 Pontiac G6 convertible <laughs> uh, and just in the parking lot and just cried because I was felt just so lost. And what the hell am I going to do now? Dried my eyes, went back in, sat at my desk. And I swear it wasn't even like an hour later, uh, a mutual acquaintance between Spencer and I said, my friend is looking for uh, a media buyer. And there was like a moment in between that where I realized, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave this company and I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, at least in my career to hit that executive path that I thought I was on. I've since kind of moved on from that and want to be more of like a, you know, a business owner. So but, I'm kind of hearing a few moments in time, yeah. right? And, and a thread through this a little bit is the call to do more. Yeah. Right. Psych, you had the call to do more. Music, you made the decision. I want to spend more time with my family. And without that, 
you wouldn't have tried to make it work as a marketer. Yeah. Right. Right. And then as you made it work as a marketer, you, you again, felt the call to play bigger. Yeah. Right? And those are kind of like a few critical moments. Um, but that call to do more is the important part because it comes. And I think that call to do more, that call to play bigger comes to everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but do you have the courage to, to, to it's take scary, it? Man, it's scary. It is scary. Well, but even in, Okay, so but but even to like end the story when we were introduced, it was because you needed a media buyer. Right. It wasn't because you needed a VP of marketing. You needed like this executive level marketer that I was thought I was going for at the time. Yeah. Right. As we talked, I recognized the opportunity to do more there. Right. And in even then, it took me the reason why I turned it down. You know, we laughed about how I turned the job down three times because I wasn't sure if the path was really there, yeah. if that's really what I wanted to do. And then, like to your guys' point, recognizing the opportunity and the and the, and the path to do more there, ultimately is what is why I yeah like what, and what having the courage there. to take it yeah absolutely yeah for me I've thought there's a lot of kind of moments in time or decisions but one um one I do want to share I grew up much like you just service based hardworking family roofing plumbing landscaping you know hardwood floors and I didn't know anything else and I was um, working in roofing at the time making $10 an hour as a 21 year old. And, um, I had my resume in with the temp agency and I got a call one day and they said, Hey, there's this company that's looking for Portuguese speaking customer service reps They're Uh, they want to open Portuguese to their customer service offering. They're looking for Portuguese speakers. Well, I had, uh, just done two years in Brazil and learned Portuguese and, um, it's like, oh, this would be really cool. Like in Idaho, there's not really many Portuguese speakers. Um, you know, it's English and then Spanish. And so any, you know, opportunity to use Portuguese, I was like, this is really interesting. And uh, so I was like, yeah, please submit my resume. Like I'd love to, you know, be, a, you know, look at that opportunity. And so I got in and I got an interview and, you know, had a few rounds of interviews and came down and I got an offer. And it was me and a Brazilian woman to be hired as the first two ever Portuguese speaking people in this company. And, um, you know, we were going to be doing, you know, phone support in Portuguese and in English, but the translation stuff and the offer was $11 an hour. And I was like, Oh man, it's a whole dollar more. (laughs) And it was one of the hardest decisions of my life because the, the person that I was working for that owned the roofing company, when I applied to his job, I said, I just need to make $9 an hour. And he's like, I'll pay you 10. That's the first time that's ever happened to me um, of someone like recognizing my worth or value, maybe more than I did my own Mm -hmm. and paying me more than I even asked for. And so, um, so I was really loyal to him and I really appreciated the opportunity, you know, that he gave me. And so, but I ultimately just decided to go work for this company at $11 an hour as a Portuguese speaking customer service rep. And if I had not done that, I don't know. I'm sure I would at some point have maybe left the service world and other things I was doing my undergrad, you know, in international business and in marketing. But, um, if I hadn't worked at that company and been at that company for five years, I wouldn't have had microbe ever cross my path. I know for sure. So that's wild. Yeah. It's interesting. It comes back again to, to having the courage to take the opportunity. Yeah. Right. I, a, a good friend of mine, um, he he grew up working in pizza. His first job was for uh, 
for a Chicago connection here in, in, in Boise. And he started as a, a, a pizza guy. Right. And he worked his way up 25 years to the point where he was the right hand man of the owner and he was managing all 13 locations. But that wasn't his love. Hmm. His love was being a flipper and buying gold and selling gold and silver and going to yard sales and finding deals and, and, the moment, the day I met him, he told me of this dream he had about starting his own pawn shop or, or doing something for himself and quitting the pizza. And I was like, then do it for 10 years, for 10 years, he talked about doing this hmm. and he finally made the choice and he is happier now than he's ever been. But it, sometimes it's, it's just having the courage yeah. to take that. Now I'm probably, I, 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 people think I might be brave. I might also be stupid because I, that concept of having the courage <laughs> to do it never comes into my mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm so ADD that I'm like squirrel, the better opportunity. Let's go. You know? <laughs> and, uh, the fact that the fact that I actually worked at microbe for like five years is a, that's huge. Well, and this brings up an interesting point. Derek Sivers talks about this in his book, hell yeah, or no. And he talks, there was a point in his time where he was working with a mentor, like saying, like, oh, I really want to go do this thing. Kind of like your buddy. I want to go do this thing. He's like, dude, you've been talking about going and doing this thing for three years. You do not want to. Yeah. If you did, you would be doing it. And he said, and he just talks about how our actions actually show our, what we truly value over what our words do. Yep. And, um, that's a, that's a, that's something we all have to learn. Yep. And that's something that we all have to recognize. That we may say we want something, we may think we want something, but until our actions prove that we do, we don't. Yeah, and either either we're too afraid to to chase it or go for it, or we really just don't. Like I talk about, right? And sometimes I, you just have to let go and say, yeah. like, you know what? I actually don't really want that. Just I'm, gonna, I'm just going to forget about that and, and stop saying that I actually yeah. do. Yeah, I talk about all yeah. the time. One of my favorite things to do is write. When I ask people what what's something I'm really good at, people will say a writer. People have said, I've tried, I should write a book. I used to write all the time. I want to write again, <laughs> but I've been saying that for like seven years and I haven't published a damn thing. And it's because, and I keep telling myself it's because I'm just, I, uh, obviously I don't want to do it bad enough or I would sit down and do it. Yeah. The furthest I get is I'll open a document and I'll spit out a paragraph and I'll walk away from it. <laughs> yeah, but let's tie, let's, I, I appreciate that, but there are a lot of things that I want to do that I haven't done yet. Sure. Right. Which doesn't mean that I don't really want to do them. So I also think that it's this concept of having the courage to do it, but also the right timing. Well, that's yeah. kind of what I'm timing saying. Timing is yeah. freaking. Yeah, there's everything. a dichotomy there. Yeah. Like what yeah. I like, and what I mean to say is I kind of hit this space of thought where I'm like, I don't want to do it bad enough, but also maybe it's just not the right it's time. It's not the right it. time. Sometimes. You know, like I can't imagine. Yeah, I've got some regrets for how I, how I showed up as a father in my 30s because of how I was chasing dreams. And now I can't imagine missing an opportunity with my son because there's something that I want to do. Mm, I've got yeah. three years left with him. You know, he'll be gone in a few years off doing his own thing and I'll have all the time in the world, you know? So you're right. The timing well, piece is, is, yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because my whole thing was, and you guys talked about your backgrounds growing up, both being from kind of blue collar service 
and we've talked about in the past, my parents were both school teachers, right? They were school teachers in the California teaching system, which meant their retirement was lock, stock, and barrel, man. They, they served missions for our church. They went to China. They served in Oklahoma at a, at a university, and they were in Salt Lake City at the genealogy library. I mean, they served missions and did what they want to do mm-hmm. the entire time in their retirement. My mom, to this, to this day, after my dad has passed, she still gets all that retirement money. She doesn't have a dime to spend it on. But she's like, I've never had this much money in my <laughs> But her retirement was so great. And I saw that. And that's when I was like, dang, I've got to do something different because that's not, not my that's yeah. not my situation. Yeah. I have I had a I started when I was 48, I started looking at okay, what's my 10-year retirement plan? Because how great would it be to retire at 50? Right? And then Hattie was born uh when I was 41 and I was like, dang, now I got a 20 year retirement plan. But it was that same concept of what, how do you, how do you take those opportunities that are going to come and how do you prepare yourself to say yes to those opportunities? Sometimes it's letting go. Sometimes it's saying it's not the right time. And sometimes it's saying now is uh, yes now. Because Spence, that was your situation with micro. Yeah, totally. And let's jump there. Like, so we've shared a little bit about like, you know, some moments in time, some decisions of choice, um, in the past, like let's share the stories now of, you know, actually getting us into micro formulas. Um, and for me, you know, uh, again, if I hadn't worked at that company for five years, I would have never met Dr. Todd Watts. And I met him while I was still at that company. He came to me asking for some marketing advice around this weird new product he had. And he was showing me pictures and it's like, look at what that's doing for people. And I just didn't get it. I was like, this is weird, dude. Like it's not going to be successful on this channel, this marketing channel in the direct response kind of world that I would, I came from. And, um, so I kind of passed it by a little bit for, for a good six months. And then we stayed in touch and we had the conversation. I was working at a three PL at the time and working to be a partner in that business. And really thought that that was kind of my moonshot. Like, oh, this is this is going to be good. Like, I can you know be get get some equity in this business, and it'll be really good. Well, Doctor Todd comes to me, and and he's like, "What do you think about being a CEO, partnering with me and my other partner, uh, Doctor Jay Davidson, and coming into this this company and really helping us run it?" And so I kind of had a choice: Do I stay at this three PL and work my way into partnership there, or do I accept this opportunity and be a partner in this new company? That's just, you know, starting out micro formulas. And, um, I had just left a, a good job a year prior that was making, you know, close to six figures and, you know, had a team and doing things to join a startup for like a third of the salary to build a team, to build some systems and process and some infrastructure. And so I'd spent the last year grinding, making pennies. And I was like, do I really want to go do that again? Do I want to start over? I kind of was comfortable. Like I had built the team of people doing stuff. Like I kind of, you know, I saw a path there and, um, I was evaluating this decision. And and I remember asking, um, you know, Dr. Todd, like, Hey, well, when are you going to quit what you're doing now and come all in on this business, on the supplement business? And, and, you know, him and Jay were both like, Oh, never. Like they were both running very successful seven figure, you know, virtual and, and brick and mortar practices, helping people heal. And this was a side gig. This was yeah. a hobby. Right. And I was like, I, I don't want to do it alone. I don't want to, 
uh, I don't want to start all over. So this isn't, this isn't for me. And I said, no. And, uh, luckily, um, with me being at the three PL, um, that wasn't my final opportunity to get involved with microformulas, uh, because microformulas was a client of the three PL that I worked at and, and that through that developed a relationship with Ryan. But, yeah. And I, I love that story because it, it ties to the concept of why we work so well together. Right. We yeah. talk a lot about the, the fifth hammer concept and dude, you're solid four hammers, <laughs> right? I'm only one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it comes down to it, but it's, but it's the fact that your, your idea is I didn't want to do this alone. Um, but I was ready for that. Yeah. Right. I, I was to the point where I was in a really good job, uh, making more money than I've ever made in my career. And in fact, I even at some point, I even had the thought that I've priced myself out of the marketplace. Yeah. I, I, I was making so much money at this company that I could not go anywhere and make the same thing. So I was stuck unless I found something different. And, and that that's challenging. You want to talk about like taking an opportunity where you're taking less. Um, yeah. Sometimes we call that the golden handcuffs. Right? It it's hard totally to walk is. away. It's yeah. almost impossible. It's to almost walk impossible to walk yeah. away. And not yeah. only that, but it got to the point in that company where they were, they were almost keeping me there so their competitors wouldn't have me. Right. Because it was a very tight niche market that we were in. We were supporting, uh, we were doing back end systems and supporting back end systems for the direct selling industry. There were only like four companies that I could go to. And one of the competitors um, was an old CEO that I worked with, and he was a good friend of mine. And I, there was, so they were like, Nope, we're going to keep you here. And it got, it also got to the point in that position where I had that team so dialed um, that I really wasn't doing much, right? I was managing a team and I was doing, I would fly out every once in a while to uh, different clients and I was working for them, but really on a, on a day-to-day -day basis, I wasn't doing a lot, which gave me the opportunity to go through this process of what's my next gig? What am I going to be doing? Where am I at? And I was able to try a bunch of different things. Um, and like I said, I mean, that's, I would, I prayerfully considered this on a daily basis of what's going to be my next gig. That's going to take me to a position that I could have the type of retirement that my parents had, because hmm. that was the goal. I wanted to serve in any manner that I could and, you know, travel the world with my wife and, and see things and help people and be a part of that. And, uh, I remember this one day, um, I was, I was fulfilling some ecclesiastical duties, uh, as, as part of our church and. I was kind of over um, the responsible for just working with the men and making sure that, you know, lessons were taught and people were good and things were in place. And uh, on a weekly basis, we'd go do visits and go out and just be in people's homes and see what they're doing and, and being a part of their lives um, and seeing if there's any way we can help. And I remember this one week, uh, we didn't have any appointments. My counselors didn't show up. It was a Thursday night. And I was like, dude, I'm done. I took my shoes off. I'm like, I'm just going to relax right now. And I had this thought and, and I believe it was divine. And, and to this day, you know, however you want to consider what your, your faith is or, or how you look at higher powers, I believe this thought that came to me was divine. Um, because it said, go see Todd and Todd just moved into our neighborhood. He just moved into our congregation. And, uh, I was like, oh, Cause I just took my shoes off. Right. I was like, <laughs> all right. So I went and uh, I texted him 
And I was like, hey, you home? Do you mind if I come over? And he's like, yeah. And I knew Todd's brother, a twin brother. I knew his sisters. I knew his family. It's a big family. He came from, but I never, I had a couple interactions with Todd, but I, but I never really got to know him and his family. And so I was like, all right, I'll be right over. So I, I think I jumped on my skateboard and like rode over to his house. <laughs> of course you did. And um, <laughs> we were sitting down on his, uh, on his couch in his family room. And his, his wife, Lisa, was, uh, was doing dishes in the back. And his kids were upstairs. And we were just talking. A lot like we're talking now and um, getting to know him, what he was doing. And, and he, I, I looked at him and I said, Todd, how can I help you? How can I serve you? And he looked at me and the, to this day, I will never forget this moment. He looked at me and he said, I need a CEO. <laughs> and I was like, lightning bolt struck all of the prayers that I had for five years of what my next gig is hit me right there at that moment um and then he said <laughs> i have these supplements and i was like oh <laughs> damn dude because you have to remember i was i mean i was supporting the direct selling industry and the direct selling industry is built off of every lotion potion and pill you can ever imagine yeah. and i had i've seen so much of that that i was almost callous to jaded yeah totally jaded to yeah jaded to that concept and and I, I literally rolled my eyes and he's like, no, 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 seriously. And, <laughs> and he started to convince me of what he had. Um, and I asked him, I just started asking him questions. What platform are you on? What are you doing? How are you? Cause he was really trying to build. He's like, I need somebody to help me with my website. And, and fortunately he said the golden word. He said, I'm on Shopify hmm. and I've been looking at Shopify for like, almost when it came out because they're i you know this isn't a plug for shopify when well, you had clients on it yeah i had too. clients on shopify their their api is so open and you have so much flexibility that you could do a lot with it now he, sponsored by shopify i know right <laughs> so uh so he told me he was on shopify he's like well here i'll send you developer access so i can get access and just kind of look around and see what's there and i, I looked at his website and it was the ugliest freaking website I've ever seen in my life. The logo was disaster. MF. I mean, it was, yeah, it was this big MF for micro formulas. And it was like, <laughs> guys, when you think of MF, what do you think of? Right. And, but then I started doing my, a typical market analysis and, and sales volumes and sales analysis. And I was getting into the numbers and seeing where things were at and I was blown away. And the fact that, they were selling what they were selling with no marketing, no branding, no website. I mean, literally, it was one of the worst sites I've ever seen. And, and it was selling. And I remember my wife was out of town. She was taking care of my mom because of a hip surgery. I called my wife and I said, I found my next gig. And my wife actually rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> in return. And I was like, no, no, I'm serious. This is it. And she's like, okay, so what are they going to pay you? I'm like, nothing. She's like, what? what? <laughs> like nothing. I was like, right now I'm just looking at it. And uh, we got on the phone with Jay and Todd and um, Jay, Todd introduced me to Jay for the first time. And they offered me uh, a substantial equity in the company. And, and I told them, I said, guys, you're going to get a lot more out of me than, than you realize right now, because that's just, that's who I am. I'm going to put everything in and, and, uh, and I said, yeah, let's do this. And I worked for the first year without a paycheck, right? To your point where you didn't want to grind because you were just grinding there. I was grinding. I mean, I grinding. I was in my backyard 
coding at night, working through Shopify up all night long, trying to get this done, answering customer support emails myself, learning the products, learning the language, watching videos, doing everything I could to, to grind on this new opportunity. And honestly, for the first year, I, I didn't, I didn't have an income. Um, but I was in a position from the other, uh, other, other job that allowed me to do that. In fact, I remember walking into that other company and said, Hey, I'm going to be helping my a buddy of mine with a supplement company. They're like, yeah, that's cool. You're totally fine. Go ahead and do that. When we need you, we'll call you and be a part of it. And so it was, it was just, it was the right opportunity all coming together at the right, the time. right time. And and having the courage, I, and I, I couldn't even say, dude, I don't even want to say that because I don't even think it was the courage to do something. I think I was so ready. You're ready. I was so ready. That's that what I love about like, this. Bam, I'm doing this. I didn't think. Yeah. I didn't think twice. The, yeah. the, this is why I love about this story, because I've gotten I've got so much. Um, I've had so many epiphanies from just watching how this played out between you two. And then thinking about, okay, would I, if I was given that same opportunity, would I have taken it? Hmm. I wouldn't have because I, through the, the, the grinding of building a music career and, and like most of the time investing that money back into the band and barely paying myself anything, I wasn't in a position to grind on anything else. I would have just wore my, <laughs> wore my marriage down. You know, if you continuously chase opportunities and nothing really take hold takes hold. So I was like in a position to just I thought just going to work every day and have good benefits and take something safe because you've already used your chance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you were kind of you just didn't want to do it because you were already you'd already done it. Well, and I thought I had a, a better opportunity in front of me as well. Yeah, that, that's you know that I mean? too. So but, I was comfortable. I wasn't ready. And I and I thought my other opportunity was better. Yeah. And I am just now at 43 re-entering a season where things have like in my life and in my family are in a position now where it's all we're we're ready to go we're ready for that now well think about it i was 45 yeah yeah when that happened right and so it's interesting if you look through your time timeline and and life that was i was ready i was so ready and not only that but i had so much confidence in, in myself because I was preparing for this, that dude, I could freaking do anything. Yeah. And I took it. And, and, and that's how Spence, you and I met you, we, yeah, you were the three PL and we were working through problems and challenges. And it got to the point where I think your company lost an entire palette of ours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was like, um, all right, right we're going to, we're going to take this internally. If, if, if these are our products and if we want to have the type of care and relationship with our customers, we're going to do this internally. So I don't know if I ever told you this, but the first day I met you, you came in and we sat down and we had a conversation. You toured the warehouse and stuff. There's one thing you said um, that was a, uh, a trigger to me, like these guys won't last here long. And the words you said were, you know, I believe in controlling our own destiny. And I was like, these guys are gone before we had any of those challenges. Um, and then, yeah, it was a month or so later. You know, and then I was helping you guys transition out to be able to be set up to, to do it yourself. But yeah, if it wasn't through some of those experiences and then later through that opportunity, not actually working out for me, you know, that what six, eight months later, I was then evaluating, okay, what is my next opportunity? Yeah. And luckily microbe was still at play and that's when I jumped in. Well, and it was interesting because I remember the conversation. We just got our, our, our office space on Baltic. And it was this little tiny office with a balcony that was 
you know, a loft overlooking a warehouse space and it was tiny. And I was like, we're going to run right now. And Spencer's like, dude, we can do this over the course of it. I'm like, nope, I'm going to come get product. We're going to be up and running in, on Monday. It was Friday. We're going to be up and money on run, up and running on I was Monday. Like, dude, I'm not trying to keep you as a client. Like, let me just buy you like a few days. You don't need to do this to yourself. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, no, nope, we're doing it. it. We're, we're all in. And I remember I, I rented a truck and uh, we went over, picked up the pallets and we were up and running, shipping on, on Monday. And, and we had the conversation and I remember telling you, Hey Spence, look, this isn't the end of our relationship. I really, I highly appreciate who you are as an individual and how you're handling this. We'll work again together. We'll, we'll there'll be another time where we'll have the opportunity to work together. Dude, I, so, okay, let me train, let's transition to, to me real quick, because I love the other thing I've, I've really picked up from working with you guys is things will happen when they're supposed to. Or when the time is right. And go, going back to timing, Ryan and I met before you guys did, before you and him met. And we were doing some work with an agency. I was there uh, full time. I think you were partnering with them on some projects. And, um, and I, you know, I just wasn't a big fan of, I don't know how like we would conduct business and like the clients that we had. And um, every time Ryan would walk in the room, I would just get pumped. Like it would make me like, I would, yeah, that's what we need to do. So every time he opened his mouth, I'd be like, that's what we need to do. And I was just so excited to work with him. And then I eventually went off and, and worked with another client, um, scaled that business. But that was, I don't remember the last time I saw you, but like I, there was a moment in time where I didn't see you again for years, three years, three years yeah. or so. I remember the one conversation there. I was like, dude, this dude's rad. And it was, uh, we, we, we got out of that meeting, we walked down and you're at your desk and we started talking about music. Oh yeah. And I don't know what it is about music, man, but like anytime somebody's like all of a sudden there's a bond, a connection, because you, you talked about how you play guitar. I'm like, dude, I play bass. And it was like, all oh, this, like, yeah, we should jam. And, and yeah. there was that moment in time about music and it was just really good. And I, and I remember leaving that and I was like, dude, he's cool. I was like, I'd love to work with him. Yeah. And and I just remember you being super dynamic and uh, knowing a lot more. Like I remember sitting in a meeting, we were talking about a, like a website redesign. And not only you, you were giving really valuable input on the design, but on the development of it. And I sometimes I'll call Ryan like the original growth hacker because you know a lot about marketing and technology and how to how to work the two together. But fast forward to when you and I met. Yeah. And I was like, tell me about the team. And he's like, we got the CEO. He's really dynamic. He's got lunch like a check fat background. guys, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had lunch of fat, fat guys. guys daily. First time I ever met Spencer, we hugged and it was just something about that. Like it just felt really familiar. Um, and he was describing this person and I went, that sounds like Ryan Riley. And, uh, but you didn't say that out loud. That was no, just, it was just like, in, my, in my mind. About it. Yeah. yeah. And then sure enough, there he was. Yeah. And, and I didn't think, here's the thing. When I was offered the position to come on board, I wasn't sure I was ready to grind. And I wasn't, and I knew for a fact, like my wife was going through some health problems. I needed good, I thought I needed good benefits. There was some like limiting beliefs that I needed to, to get rid of. And microbe, I don't know, you know, where all this and what we're going to do next. I mean, we're, we're working on some things, but that has opened up my world and got me out of this rut that I will forever be grateful for. I mean, and even there were challenges when, when I jumped in and finally jumped in, I remember we had, we didn't really have benefits, but we no, had like no. a kind of like a health reimbursement thing. And like the first, my, yeah. yeah, my first month, 
it like double or triple withdrew from my account and threw us into the negative. And I like Sean, my wife called me and was like freaking out and I was freaking out and Ryan fixed it immediately. But it was like one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, there were even challenges there and just being able to see it through, you know, I'm just forever grateful for that stuff. So yeah, this, yeah, I love the, I love all the conversation about recognizing opportunity, but timing, you know, and the courage of, of it all. And too. when you're in those moments you don't recognize the path that they're necessarily going to put you on all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you're ready and you're waiting for five years. Sometimes you're not right. Um, and you, it's hindsight as you look at those, you know, moments of decision, moments of choice, you're like, Oh, that was actually really pivotal, pivotal, yeah. um, in, in my trajectory. So we kind of took people like where we were, you know, what brought us together, right. We're all, we're in microbe formulas. Yeah, but you you got to tell your story because there's there's parts of your story that I don't know, like because when you left the when you left the three PL, yeah, um, I mean you left it, it wasn't a good split, no, right, and no. and you were looking for I was opportunities. fired, yeah, you were fired, yeah, basically, and 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 I was fired, and the day I was let go, went out to my car, and my car wouldn't start, so I sat in the parking lot for. 20 minutes for my wife to come with our two little kids. We had just had a son, um, four months prior, second child. So we just bought a house. We just had a second child. I was let go. My car wouldn't start. My wife had to come pick me up. Mm. That was not a good day. I, uh, yeah. I remember going home. I was crying. I remember going home and it's like, oh man, what did I screwed? Uh, what did that, what happened? And I was crying and my daughter, she's three and she could barely talk. She could, you know, say some things and she, I was, she came to give me a hug. I picked her up. I held her and she put her hands on my cheeks and her forehead against my forehead. And she said, daddy, it's going to be okay. Fucking <laughs> three-year-old dude. Like, and I melted. Yeah. 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 The, the, that's the beauty of, of children or of, uh, somebody that loves you unconditionally. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter anything except that you just show up. Yeah. And you extend love back. You know? And I, and I heard, that you got let go. And, and I was looking for somebody to help. I, I got to the point where I'm grinding. And, and I think the, the, the beauty of, I think one of the things, one of my strengths is knowing my limitations. Yeah. Right. And we got to the point where I was like, I need help. And I heard that you got let go. Um, and I was like, yeah, we're going to do, we're going to get Spencer. And I called you. I said, come in, let's yeah. talk. Yeah. And, and that conversation led to choices and decisions you made. And I remember when you told me, yes, I called Todd. I was like, we got Spencer. And I was like, super excited because I knew that you were going to be a big part of this. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. And, and I was in a season, you know, of like, I want to be very conscious about the next thing that I'm stepping into and clear about kind of what I wanted. I remember talking a little bit about that with you, like, like, a, a moment of self-awareness of like, you know, what, it, where do I see myself excelling within an organization, within a company, within a, a small business and being clear about that and communicating like, this is what I need. This is how I operate. This is what I like. And Ryan's like, great, you know, but it was that period of, of reflection that allowed me um, to be able to have that conversation and set myself up for success at microform. Well, and he's the perfect person for that because he gives you, he gives you space to operate. Yeah. You know, yeah. what changed? What, is it because you weren't going to do it alone? 
because Ryan was there? Yeah. It, I mean, it was the, the company also had seen a level of success it hadn't seen before. Um, the first time I was entertaining it, it was still relatively new and, you know, made, you know, uh, mid seven, mid six figures. Mm -hmm. it, it was less than I think six was, months old. It uh, launched in September yeah, I think and like, I was having conversations in January. Like it was, it was brand, it brand was new. There was figures. no one, there was no employees in the company. I was going to be the very first one, right? It, I didn't know enough about the, the, the product either to know, like, is this really going to hit or is it going to be a dud? Right. Am I going to be grinding for how many years? Yeah. I, it was so, it was so unknown. Right. And then you lay, you, you layer in everything else I already talked about, but by October, by a full year around, it had already done seven figures and was on, you know, on pace to do more. There was Ryan in place. There was a team of support specialists. Like there was at least like a handful of people involved. <laughs> right. I, I remember hiring our first. Uh, so my son, Braden, who's, uh, who's sitting here behind cameras running the show for us. Um, my, my son, Braden, I would pull him out of bed. I'm like, you're doing support. <laughs> you know? And he's like, uh, and I'm like, and, and it was always, it was just me, Christina, my wife, Christina and Braden. And I remember when we went into that Baltic space, um, Braden's like, you need to hire, you need to hire Branson and you need to hire, um, yeah, you need to hire Connor Cook. You need to hire Branson and Connor Cook. And I was like, bring him in. And I remember Connor Cook walked in and that dude radiated something to me. He was so strong that I'm like, in just in the conversation, I was like, okay, can you start tomorrow? And he was looking around this space, dude. We had, we had a cardboard table with a computer on it for customer support. We yeah. were, there was nothing. <laughs> and I was, I was selling a vision. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, and I was selling a vision of where I saw this going and what I had an opportunity. And, and he was like, dude, you are high. <laughs> and he, cray, cray. he told me that afterwards. He's like, uh, he's like, but I sold it. I sold it. And I, and, and I believe I had to sell that vision to everybody we hired for the first couple of years. I sold you. I sold you. Yeah. I mean, I had, you turned me down three times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but there was also like, as you sell yourself, like I had now worked a year in a 3PL. I had a lot of experience and micro was doing fulfillment in house. So I could add a lot of value there. I had spent, you know, six, seven years prior in a marketing opportunity, you know, marketing positions and, and, and roles. Um, and so there's a quote by Winston Churchill called the, the man's finest hour. And I I'll butcher the quote. I don't know it perfectly, but basically goes like, there comes a moment in time where, you know, your, backs against the wall and you'll be forced to make a choice. And how disappointing will it be if a man is not prepared to say yes and like answer the call to what could be, it, it, you know, that person's finest hour. And my finest hour wasn't saying yes to microbe the first time it was presented to me. But later down the road, I recognized the sum of my life experience now added up in a point where anything and everything I did at micro formulas, like I could add massive value in a big way. That would also then return to me, you know, yeah. and, and, and not just the company. That I love it. That's yeah. Like I, I was completely, I was in a position in my life where selling the vision to me actually turned me off. Hmm. And it, because I had been so vision oriented in my life and chased vision and dreams that I just thought it was all bullshit. So I actually went into my head in that moment. And the reason why I kept, I turned, kept turning down because I didn't see it yet. And then I finally had gotten an offer from somebody else. Um, and he, as part of the, it was funny, as part of that, 
the conversations of that offer, he taught me a framework that I then went on that I used to turn eventually turn him down, come to microbe and then sell to the team that I would eventually recruit. And it was like a quadrant of when you're looking at any opportunity, the opportunity look, matrix, the opportunity matrix, you look at growth, impact, salary and stability. What's what's the growth for me personally and professionally? What's the impact I can have in the organization and in the world at large? Can they pay me what I need? And is it stable, not just in benefits, but in just the company in general? Yeah. And there's no wrong answers. It's whatever season you need to be in. So like before I came to Microbe, I was in a season of salary and stability. I needed good benefits. I needed a, a job I could work at for as long as I needed to work at, and it needed to make enough money to pay my bills and save a little bit. I had put growth and impact on the back burners for myself. And then you came back into my life and then him. And then as I started, I was, you know, I was running your ads. I was like, man, this is like, this has momentum. There's growth here for me. And look at these reviews and these, <laughs> look at these testimonials. We're yeah. making an impact on the world. The salary was less. In my mind, there was actually no stability right. at the time. Um, little did I know it would provide me with more stability than I, than I really needed. Um, so yeah, man, like I, and I, I remember putting together this big pros and cons list and, and then eventually said, yeah, look, I, I, I'm just kind of wrapping this up. I'll just, I'll just end by saying, thanks. It's been a journey. It's been yeah. fun. Dude. Thanks for trusting. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for the work, the grind, the effort. Because honestly, guys, there were a lot of people involved, but, but you guys were my rock. And I did everything I could to keep you guys motivated and happy and, and there. And, and there's, there's little moments that occurred that were special. That were special. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember, and, and there were little things. I remember walking into your office with that guitar. Oh, right. dude, that we'll, was on a call. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that one later. But there yeah, was those yeah. moments. And I remember yeah. taking you for a drive and totally. saying, let's go do this. Yeah. And there were those moments that it just was like the opportunity for me to say thank you. And and that's why that's why this is so beautiful. Yeah. So thanks. No, man. Thank you. And uh, that's a great place to end. But you're really good at that. You're good at raising belief. You're good at affirming people. And, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been a very, uh, just a high point, not just my career, but my life. So it's been great. That's a wrap.